a great day in the church. We begin today in Matthew chapter 28. It's called the Great Commission. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, whom we celebrate today. So this is the mission given to the church for all time. It's our church's mission. It's every church's mission. It will always be every church's mission to go and make disciples. And he stitched right into it and baptized them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. I was talking to a mom a few years ago. Um, We practice infant baptism here at Lakeland Community. But especially in America, not a lot of people are, I mean, there are many people who are not comfortable with infant baptism. And so we also offer infant dedication. You'll see that from time to time. And I was talking to a mom, and, and she had taken advantage of infant dedication. And she said, I wish I would have had my son baptized instead. I said, why is that? And she said, well, he's, he's walked away from the faith, and, you know, at least he would have been baptized. I thought that was a very strange way of thinking about it, because baptism isn't magic. It wouldn't have altered the course of her son walking away from faith. It wouldn't have changed his state before God. But I could relate. I mean, I had a um, similar experience of wondering about baptism. But I want to say that baptism is not about what we do. Baptism is a sign and a seal of what God has done for us. The pastor who baptized me, I later learned, didn't believe that Jesus was the divine son of God and didn't believe that he had raised from the dead. And it caused, when I found that out, it caused me to wonder, did my baptism count if the person who performed it didn't even believe the story that he told me in his office? The early church grappled with this too. There were, uh, during the times of the Roman persecutions, the Romans would come to pastors and they would tell them, uh, tell them you know, turn over your scriptures for destruction. Renounce your faith in Jesus Christ and bow down to the emperor of Rome. And some pastors did it. And then people would wonder if the pastor who baptized me renounced his faith in Jesus Christ, handed the scriptures over to be destroyed, does my baptism count? And the church grappled with that question and they had some counsels. In the end, they decided, yes, it does count because it's not a sign of what the person did to you. It's the sign of what God has done for you. People uh, a few centuries later started withholding baptism until right before they died. Uh, The emperor Constantine, the first Christian emperor of the Roman Empire, wasn't baptized until he was on his deathbed. It was very common at that time because they believed that baptism washed you from sins. But then they wondered what happened if you all the sins after you're baptized. So they decided to just wait until it looked like you were about ready to die and then get baptized real fast and hope that you didn't you know, say a bad word on your way out. And um, you could get, come out clean. But the church gradually let go of that belief because they came to understand it's not about what you did and it's not about what someone did to you and it's even not about what you're going to do. Baptism is a sign and a seal of what God has done for us. There was a church a few years ago came out with a pamphlet to help other churches. The pamphlet was called How to Have a Thousand Baptisms in a Single Day. Can you imagine how miraculous that would be even to have a tenth of that here at Lakeland? A hundred baptisms in a single day. What a miracle. 
And then you read the pamphlet. It's not a miracle at all. Supposedly, these uh, supposedly spontaneous baptisms, turns out, are carefully planned ahead of time and use kind of crowd hysteria, um, peer pressure kind of techniques to get people starting to walk down the aisle, including having people who have already been baptized pretend like they're about to be baptized. This is a quote from the pamphlet. Fifteen people will sit in the worship experience and be the first ones to move when the pastor gives the call. Move intentionally through the highest visibility areas and the longest walk. Uh, Then it starts uh, emphasizing the speed with which this must be done before the effect wears off on the crowd. This is a quote from their own pamphlet. On average, between 30 and 45 seconds per baptism. Think of the changing room in terms of a NASCAR pit stop. It has to be a quick in and quick out, unquote. And then it starts talking about who to baptize and in what order. This is another quote. The first people to go in the changing rooms have got to be the people who move quickly. They must change, be changed and out on the stage in a few minutes. Pick the young, energetic people, not necessarily those who get there first. Well, that's not baptism. I'm not sure that's even Christianity. I'm not sure that crowd hysteria effect is going to produce the lifelong discipleship that we're hoping for. Baptism isn't about what you've done, it isn't about what someone does to you, and it's not about what you're going to do, it's not even about who you're doing it for. Baptism is not a performance for the church. What is baptism? Baptism is a lot of things. Um, Baptism is a sign and a seal of what God has done for us, and in the symbols of baptism is your sanctification. That you are set apart as holy. And holy doesn't mean better than someone else or even morally perfect. Holy actually means set aside for a different purpose. To live for a different reason. That's really what sanctification is and holiness is. And in the old uh, temple and tabernacle of the Old Testament, they did animal sacrifice back then as part of worship. So they had to have some tools to do that. You know, a fire poker for the logs and shovel for the ashes. But... They would sprinkle those tools with holy water in order to say, this isn't just a fire poker. This is God's fire poker. And this isn't just a shovel for ashes. This is God's shovel for the ashes of God's temple. And in the same way, when you're baptized, that water says, this isn't just a man or a woman. This isn't just a boy or a girl. This is God's man. This is God's woman. This is God's boy. This is God's girl. Now living for God's purpose. A new meaning. It's also a bath. Ken was right. It looks like a bathtub in in some churches. and, And that's just fine. That's just fine. Baptism is a bath. If you think of sin. All the sins you've ever committed. Intentional and unintentional. Is a dirt that sticks to your soul. Then baptism is a bath that washes it away. And it's a bath that's so powerful that it doesn't just wash away the sins of the past. It washes away the sins of the future. Because it's a sign and seal of what God has done and is doing and continues to do always. You can always go back to the cross again. And the sign of what Christ has done comes true and the the bath works again. And the way we do baptism there at the Longview Lake, when you go down into the water and come up, it's a, it's a symbol of, being die, of dying and being buried as you go down into the water. It's like going down into the earth. But then when you're raised up again, it's a sign of the resurrection to new life and eternal life. Baptism is practice for our future. 
For what's going to happen to every single person who is in Christ Jesus? We will pass away and go into the earth. But then, and what I think will probably just feel like a, a minute, raise again to a new life, a new body, a new earth, an eternal kingdom of God. With everything that churches fuss over and all the differences that there are between churches, it's really nice to have baptism. It's really nice to have something that unites us all from the very beginning. All people becoming Christians today in the world will be baptized. And all people who have become Christians in the past will be baptized. It will be that way in the future. It goes all the way back to Jesus Christ being baptized by John the Baptist. It's nice to have something that unites us like that. And baptism symbolizes things which lift a huge weight off of our shoulders. Things we couldn't ever do for ourselves. Jesus makes me holy. He gives me that other purpose to live for. I can, I can choose a purpose for life, but it can, it's not a holy purpose unless it's given by God. And Jesus does that. Jesus washes me of sin. There's nothing uh, you and I could ever do to take away our sin. But God can do that. All sins ultimately are committed against God, and therefore all sins are his to forgive. And he does that. He does that. Any sin you want to be free of, you express you're ready to be free of it. You pray to God to be cleansed, and he will remove it. In fact, if you find that you have prayed for God to remove a sin, and he has not removed it, that is only because there's another sin behind it, and this is the real one. This is the one that bothers you, but, but this one is the one that you may not even know about. And God will leave this one, because this one you're only doing to compensate, to soothe yourself, to make up for, to cover up, to numb out from this one. And God will leave this one until you'll take the step to reach out to him, to pray, to come into community like you never have before so that he can go deep and show you this. And then when you're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, he can remove them both. And you give him a double praise. This you can't do by yourself. You've tried. I tried. I didn't. You can't. This you can't do by yourself. This is where I commend to you the Mercy Street Ministry. They've started meeting again on uh, Saturday nights at 5.30 upstairs. It's been a while since I've been there. I'm going through a season with graduating and such like that. I'll be back. I'll see you there. Just come any Saturday at 5.30 when you're finally ready to say, I believe it. I can't do it myself. I want God and others to help me dig in and find this one. And Jesus is the first to be raised, the guarantee of our own resurrection. As you near that place where you're facing death, how do you have that peace to know, will this resurrection actually happen? The answer is yes, because it happened to Jesus. God says that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Like he's just the first to spring up of a whole crop of resurrections that there is going to be in the future. And so the scripture calls him the down payment, calls him the guarantee, calls him the first fruits of the future for all who turn to God. So if you are ready for all of this to be a part of your life and these symbols to be real in your life, how do you, how do you be baptized here at Lakeland Community? It's not hard. First, stay after this service back there in what we call the prayer circle. And first thing is you come to the baptism meeting. And that's going to happen right after this service. It's not a long meeting. Really not long if you come today because I uh, 
Everything I just preached is usually what's in the meeting. So I can say, were you there? Did you stay awake? Good. <laughs> so it could be, you could, this could be a good one for you. Um, and so you go to the baptism orientation. And then on June 27th, everybody take out your phone and mark that down. June 27th at Longview Lake, we have our baptism uh, service out there at the beach. It's, a, it's a, one of our biggest celebrations of the year. And uh, the kids come. We're going to have ice cream this year, ice cream sandwiches and popsicles for the kids. Sweeten the deal. Get them in the car a little faster. Um, uh, Yes, you can bring your beach gear and your volleyball and your sand shovel and all that. That's fine. But when the sun gets low in the sky, we circle up and we pray and we give our vows. And then we line up at the edge of the water. And as you go out into the water, um, you have written a... By then, you've written a sentence or a paragraph about what God's doing in your life. And as you're going out in the water, somebody's on the microphone reading what you wrote. And we get to hear your story. And then down into the water you go. And up you come. Washed, sanctified, practiced for eternal life. And you come back to the beach and and hang out there and talk with uh, the friends and family you invited. And all the churches there. And just have a real nice evening until the sun goes down and the... The teenagers who work for the county ask us to, to please, please go home. <laughs> um, for those of you who have been uh, confirmed, we had a huge confirmation class, right? Because of COVID, we had to do two years in one. We had a huge confirmation class. For, so for you teenagers who went through confirmation, this is when we celebrate that. Please come to the, the meeting after uh, second service. Just have a few more details to go over with you there. And... Uh, So if you've not yet been baptized, then you can be baptized on that evening. If you were baptized as a child or an infant, then this is the night you confirm the faith uh, as your own and make that profession of faith. And so you kneel beside the baptismal waters. And we take a palm branch and we whisk it through the baptismal waters and we whisk it on you and we say, remember your baptism. Now some of you have been baptized and confirmed and all of that. And then you went through a period where you kind of got away. Kind of got away from church, got away from faith. But now you're back. Now you're back and there's a newness and a freshness and an exuberance that was once there or maybe never there before, but it sure is here now. And you feel like, I wish there was a way to celebrate this uh, explosion of God's love in my life. I'm here to tell you that there is. That's rededication and we celebrate that the same night. Same meeting for you after this service. Rededication to hear what God has done. And so you kneel at the edge of the water and Somebody will read what you wrote about what God's been doing. And you'll probably write in there as everyone before you has written in there. I found that God never wandered away. God was always there speaking. And here it is. And we put the branch through the water and whisk it on you and say, remember your baptism. And that mom that I told you about at the beginning of the service whose son had walked away from faith. We never stopped praying for that young man. Ten years we prayed for him. And I would want you to know a couple of years ago, he was sitting in her living room and he did come back to Christ Jesus. And he did get baptized. So never give up on God. He's always, through the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking to us. What you're really praying for is just that person in your life that you care about would finally be in the right place, in the right frame of mind and heart, that they can hear it and accept it. God is good. Amen.